welcome to Three Valleys Radio. And it's time for another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Corn sugar and caffeine. I've been with body in two different places. I'm still playing for both teams. On the show tonight, we've got Super Duper Whiskey Tom Bailey. Fresh from his triumphs of the Somerset FA Cup. Rick Hyatt will be here with all his sarcasm. Hilda's back from gallivanting over to Greece. And I'm here as usual. So let's get stuck into another football bloody hell. There, you heard it twice. Sing a song about heartbreak. What do you know about the sweet taste of sadness? I got a name for each one of my headaches. What do you know about the thin line of madness? I need a new part for new lines. Anything if it's good for your head. You can donate your heart to science, but it won't bring you back. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. I'm back from my trip. I'm sure that you're all ecstatic to hear that I'm back in the chair and amongst yourselves, your good selves of the Three Valleys radio listenership this evening and joining me <laughs> is mr rick hyatt welcome rick hyatt and it's great to be back and looking at your smiling face looking back at me i was just trying to make head nor tail of your convoluted introduction have you been on holiday dave were you not here on monday <laughs> no do you know what i wasn't no but i did you? listen to it and it was a great pod i have to say really good pod and um if you're still waiting to listen to that pod, you can still find it on our website and on all the usual podcast places. Because Mr. Hellier, uh, if you if you yes. subscribed, you wouldn't have to go and looking looking for it, would you? Absolutely, like and subscribe, and the pod will just drop straight into or, your or listening follow. program, your set of schedules, or follow, or follow, and following us with this conversation. It's Mr. Aidy Hopper. How are you doing, Aid? Uh, all right, but apparently my internet is unstable. Well, that's what was putting me off a little bit with my intro, because I noticed that there's a little bit of a delay between me introducing and you saying, football? Bloody hell! But we'll go with it, because we're having all sorts of fun this evening, because we were hoping to be joined by the man himself, Himself, the man of the moment, Mr. Tom Bailey, but unfortunately at the moment he's gone AWOL, so we're gonna try and continue on without him for the moment and continue as a free. Um, Rick, just very quickly, we were gonna praise him, but you just want to give him some some crap, seeing as he's not here. I got I've gone off the idea of talking about him at all now, but he did, uh, he did, uh, really, really, uh, credit where credit's due, he did a really 
manful job yesterday covering the uh, the um, Somerset Cup game. So well played, Tom. Wouldn't say it to his face. He's not here, so I, I can say nice nice things. And just just one other thing that occurred to me. It's it's unusual for Adrian's internet to be unstable, rather than just all the furniture in his house. <laughs> Particularly the chairs. Stupid boy, Pike. I don't know now if he's pausing or just it's the connection. <laughs> <laughs> so the I'll tumble, take it forward. I'll the keep going. moment, but it was, it's a poor, poor internet connection rather than not getting it. But there you go. Oh, there's nothing like trying to record a wonderful piece of uh, listening ship when you've got a um, connection that just isn't working and you're not sure if somebody's going to respond or not. But we'll keep well, going. Because nor- normally Adrian's right on the money and he's right on the button. He's, he's right in there. But now now it, it makes him sound foolish. So the lowest Hopper, form eh? of wit. That was worth waiting for. Crack on, David. Yeah, let's get straight into it then because we are in an FA Cup week. For Yeovil Town, and they will be playing Southend United. Um, Rick, we spoke a couple of couple of weeks ago the fact that, from a Southend perspective, just very quickly, we just want to make sure that, or they want to make sure that they're able to fulfil the fixture, and it looks like that they have been able to uh, save themselves at least for now. We do have a game on, and from the Yeovil perspective, it's a really good test because they. Southend have had problems with obviously their off the field stuff and have had points deductions. However, they have had some creditable victories so far in the National League, and Yeovil will will fancy this matchup, won't they? You'd have thought so. It's, it's like we said on Monday. You know, it's it's going to be a good test of Yeovil's actual standing at the moment to play against a team from a higher division. But I'm, I'm listening to another pod, they're saying that's. Southend have basically got a playing squad of about 13 or 14 players at the moment. So there's not going to be much rotation from, from their point of view. And they say they'd be glad to be at Kewish Park on Saturday. They'd be glad to be anywhere at the moment, I would have thought. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see just how... Is that a blessing? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Them not being able to rotate? I don't know. Yeah, it's a really unique one, isn't it? Because by the same token, like you've just touched on there... They'd just be, you know, grateful that they've still got a club and commit can fulfil a fixture. But at the same time, maybe the FA Cup isn't really going to be a priority for them at the moment. Well, if you've got a squad that size, do you really want more fixtures coming coming around other than just fulfilling a league a league campaign? I don't know whether it, whether they've thought about that or they must have thought about it. But whether or not it's you know it's at the forefront of what they uh, their their priorities at the moment, I wouldn't have thought so. What do you think, Aid? Do you think this is a good or not so good time to be playing South End off the back of all their off the field troubles? Uh, I can think of a, a better time to play them, I must admit. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's a bit, it'd be interesting how, how they approach the game from the point of view. I mean, is there going to be a huge sigh of relief all over South End because they've, they've, they've you know, got out of, of uh, Stuck, as it were? Or um, are they still going to be under the cosh because they've only got 13 or 14 players? So, you know, they have two substitutes. They've only got to get a couple of injuries and they're in big trouble, aren't they? If they've only got three or four subs. So I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see how uh, 
the X South End contingency, i.e. Messrs. Hyde and um, Murphy, uh, tackle playing their old club as well, won't it? A bit of an interesting one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Rick, we've been speaking about the fact that as soon as Yeovil, who was announced in the summer, they signed Reese Murphy. I mean, we knew it was going to equal goals, goals, goals. I've, you know, I've done some words this season and I did the Tunbridge Angels match and I didn't think he had a great game. And I think some people might have thought that I was a big sort of Reese Murphy um, criticizer. But my concern was the fact that just the injury record, if we weren't able to get that many games from him, I thought it might be a struggle, but it looks like he's got that sharpness back and injuries don't really seem to be in his mind's eye at the moment. He looks really fresh. Well, the thing is, you, like you say, you're always going to get goals, 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 but where are you going to get games, games, games? And so uh, you can see that's why we signed more than one. We didn't just rely on him. We, we got the other strikers in as well. And as it turns out, because we've got the other strikers in, it's sod's law, isn't it? That he's fit every week now and he's firing. And um, yeah, it's happy days, happy days. And I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit for for Saturday now. As soon as that draw was made, I mean, if there was anyone in the squad that had a point to prove, then it then it would have been him. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case because, Ad, we spoke about not long ago as well that the fact that you remember the Yeovil South Gate South End game that was on TV. I think it was a TV game last season. It was Hyde and Murphy who got the goals. So. Um, hopefully a bit of a reverse of it this time around, because I think it's going to be available on streaming as well as fantastic commentary on Free Valley's radio. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I is, is it uh, Wonder Man doing it again? Yes, it is. Ah, yes, it is. Well, that's, um, that's even better if we decide we, not to suck him yeah, in the meantime. And we, also, and we also have a dream partnership with uh, Rick Hyatt and Scythia um, being part of the commentary team this weekend. So... Uh, should be a really good listen and going back to the the actual fa cup quest as it is you spoke to martin which you both did on on monday and he seems pretty keen for a cup run which is can only be a positive for overweight oh yeah definitely and just if, if nothing else but the, the prize money you know i mean it's i i couldn't tell you how all helps much, it? but it's 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 reasonable money and each round that you get through it obviously increases so, you know, the longer we go, the more money gets in, which I suppose from Martin's point of view, not that he's exactly uh, crying out for money, but, I mean, nonetheless, it all helps to oil the wheels, doesn't it? And more home draws as well. That seems to be uh, yeah. happening at the moment. More fixtures at Kewish Park. <clears throat> so more. Just money. very quickly then, as we, as we wrap that up, um, Rick, I'll start with you. Uh, home win? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I honestly, it's bound to go wrong now because I genuinely, <laughs> genuinely fancy a fancy over for this one. So uh, it'd probably be, end up being three positive nil. for a good reason though, because the team yeah, that's what I mean. so it's... far that they they can definitely um, cause a, I don't want to say shock, but you know what I mean, in in yeah. reference to where they where they both find themselves at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice not to base it just on blind hope. You've actually got some stats behind behind the club now to uh, to back it up, and you know they're Yeovil are a, are a form horse. Not that not that Adrian would know much about horses that are in, in form at all, of course, but uh, but they are, and it, it wouldn't be that much. How much of a shock would it be if they were to beat 
to beat Southend. It wouldn't be as big a shock as another National League South team taking out a National League team, would it really? Yeah, do you agree with that, A? Do you think the, the last point on the oval, you think that um, they can get themselves into the first round proper? I think I've got it right this time. Uh, I think you have. And uh, yeah, I, I think, I hope that uh, Reese and Jake will be fired up to make sure that they do the same job as they did last time and get a couple of goals. So yeah, I, I think Yeovil will come out of this on the right side. And uh uh, you know, but uh, having said that, I wish Southend all the best in terms of their survival that they have finally, it would appear, to have, uh, you know, um, kept the taxman happy by somebody shelling out a few quid here and there. So uh, good luck to them. I hope they uh, they progress as long as it's not on Saturday. Yeah, so as we just touched on there, then make sure that you do join in for Three Valleys Radio. Uh, we'll be live at around about five to three on www.3valleysradio.com. So, as we just touched on there, Martin Hellier was on the pod on Monday, and we don't have a preview because it's international break, guys. Yeah! So, uh, it does give us does give us an opportunity um, to review the games from the weekend that we haven't done so far this week. But before I do that, I just want to touch on a couple of stories that have emerged over today and yesterday. Um Aid, I'll, I'll stick with you for the first one because you mentioned about the World Cup uh, redesign on Monday's pod. But since then, um, it's been announced that the UK and Ireland will be hosting Euro 2028. So that will be something for everybody to look forward to. Yes, it will. I think it's uh, you know memories of Gascoigne sitting there with his mouth open, being water pulled in or whatever it was. Was it vodka? Uh, when was that? That must have been... Fair few years that ago. That was Euro 96. Was it 96? Well, I'd say 20-odd years ago. I'm sure there's a few people who can remember it. You can, obviously. So I was uh, four. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was the dentist chair bit. You know, don't you remember all that? Oh, yeah, it was out in Hong Kong, wasn't it? Beforehand. Yes, and Ted yeah. Sheringham was involved as well, I think. That's, uh, mm. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. I think uh, the fact that, you know, we can... Uh, one of the points we, we talked about um, with with the World Cup was, of course, the, the, the fact that they're all over the place. At least this one will be all just in the British Isles, shall we say, um, which, you know, that's got to be good. I think it'll help to build up the, uh, the atmosphere across the whole country. And if England are playing well still in, in, uh, in that period of time, then obviously it will be nice to... Um, think we've got a good chance of winning it as well if we haven't won it already before then because of course we're talking 2028 isn't it i think yes so um we've got the euros in germany of course next year i always find these things funny aid because you saw there was a picture of gareth southgate and rishi sunak celebrating getting the uh, euro 2028 and neither of them are probably going to be in the current positions by the time that 2028 comes around well, Rishi won't be, that's for certain. Um, <laughs> if, if he lasted that long, then something's definitely gone badly wrong. Um, but whilst, whilst I'm just talking a minute, can I just uh, cut to the chase a minute? Uh, next week's pod on Monday, uh, we have got uh, two oh, star God. guests lined up. Um, first of all, uh, Paul Warren, Derby County manager, will be with us, uh, which would be nice to have Warney back. 
And those of you who have been around Yeovil and Anne will remember Paul from his time. He's a good lad. I like it. I like it when Warner's on. He's good. Good value. Yeah. So he's on, and also uh, getting very close to coming, uh, making a comeback. Uh, Alex Vickers, Fisher is going to join us. So um, that's good news from his point of view. The fact that he's making good progress with his broken leg, and uh, he's looking to sometime in November to maybe to be available to play. I think. So if that's the case, we wish you all the best for that, uh, Alex, and look forward to having you on the show on Monday. Look at that, an exclusive there on Free Valleys Radio, both Paul Warren and Alex Fisher. Just very quickly before I go on to you, Rick, about the Euros, whilst we're just talking about Paul Warren, um, I'm going to say it now before he comes onto the sh- onto the show. I was a little bit worried for his job. I won't lie. Darby have mm. had a little bit of a of an mm. up and down. Appreciate he's going to join um, in an international break, though League One doesn't close, does it? But I suppose for Derby, they might still have a fixture that's postponed probably for, for internationals. But, um, you know, a great guy like you've just touched on, Rick, and I do hope that it does sort of work out for him and they give him time. Well, they won over <laughs> last night, was it? I think they won, didn't they? If I had done my research before I said that, I would know that. Ah, Tom has entered the waiting room. Oh, there's a man who'll know if Derby County won yesterday. What shirt's he wearing? Should we ask him that as soon as he comes in? We'll probably see. Yeah. What with this being a Zoom and a visual medium for us, not the listeners, of course, who subscribe to uh, Football Bloody Hell as your uh, and your favourites in your podcast, or follow them. Look at Adrian getting up with the 21st century. Well, look, Rick, whilst Tom's getting himself ready, um, yeah. just on the Euro situation, it's, yeah. we've touched on it. We uh, Sorry, we saw it a little bit with obviously the um, postponed Euros in this, um, 2021, as it turned out to be, wasn't it? Of The little bit of a taste of what it was like across Europe, a lot of the games at Wembley. Um, with full stadiums, Britain's going to be booming, isn't it? And presumably by the same token, everybody will qualify automatically though i have seen england have asked the question if that might not be the case because they want more competitive fixtures what do you make of that i think that they should have to have to qualify uh it's it's reassuring to see that the uh second biggest stadium in the country the one with the leaky roof isn't going to get a game so uh well done uh to, to malcolm's children for for that one and uh the final at wembley Given the precedent set uh, at the last Euros final that was at Wembley, is it compulsory to turn up with a firecracker in your ass? <laughs> ah. Talking of which, Tom Bailey's here. How are you doing, Tom? <laughs> I don't know which part you're referring to, the firecracker or the ass. <laughs> did you, you did you oversleep, up. Tom? No, I didn't realise I was. Well, I was expecting to be on, and because I didn't receive anything, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not. So um, I just started doing other stuff. But here we are. We're here now. (laughs) Well, it was just that I forgot to send the the Zoom details out until about four minutes to six. (laughs) That's all good. But hey, we're here now. Tom, I'm going to hit you a very quick quick fire question because we're Uh, just talking about the fact that um, Paul Warner is going to be on the pod on Monday, Derby County manager. mm -hmm. Apparently they won last night. Do you know who they played and what the score was? Uh, it was 2-1 against Notts County. Oh, look at that. Louis he Sibley scored a double. Moment. And uh, who's, they scored a penalty, the hosts. It was 
Oh, it was not Jody Jones, was it? I'll give up. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Oh, Junior. Put it, put it this way, Tom. Tom. You've already put us to shame. Serious question. Tom's been on the pod for like 20 seconds and he's already made a more valid contribution than any of us. We've been on it for the start. <laughs> well done, Tom. Thank you. you. Can go now. <laughs> Your work that here happened, is done. That happened Thank the other day when he came in, <laughs> came on late. And he was able to contribute more in the opening 20 seconds. But, uh, Tom, as you were just hearing there, we were just having a brief chat about um, the Euros that have been um, obviously awarded to UK and Ireland. And presumably looking forward to that. Um, I would. The only downside is that we are absolutely miles away from the nearest stadium, which I believe is, is well, probably London. Um, there aren't many near us. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's great that we get to host it. Admittedly, we've got to share with all the others. But um, no, we should be uh, should be good to go. I mean, we've got all the infrastructure. It's just all the transport, making sure we're prepared, I guess. Whereas, like, unlike Qatar, you had to build a country to host it. So, yeah, we should be um, should be in a good spot. I do find it absolutely absurd, though, that Everton are going to be hosting it and not Anfield. So I did see about that, but I also did hear a couple of times that the um, you have to be open to all the world's press and Liverpool will refuse the sun. And I think that Rightly has so. an impact on whether or not they can actually host a tournament. I think it's something just as Super like, as that. admin as that. Yeah. Love that uh, newspapers are allowed to spread lies and propaganda about a football club and uh, put trauma through uh, families for years and years and uh, because that happens and they're allowed to get away with it clubs are punished for that um, obviously I can't well it's a different situation for United but they're being punished through their poor ownership so it's no, not just hang on a, a minute. I it's think not just I a Liverpool sympathy I can update you on that they're not being punished for anything to do with that they, they were given the opportunity to give them a guarantee that they could get the stadium ready in time and because of the uncertainty with regard to the takeover uh, and the potential for putting a new roof on Old Trafford, they decided that they wouldn't be able to do it necessarily within the time span necessary to be able to register. So that is why they're not doing it. So it is the Glazers then? Yes, yeah, it's, it's more that, yeah, exactly. The, the Glazers, because of their lack of, of attention to Old Trafford over the years, if they'd cared and paid attention to Old Trafford, they would have um, had a stadium prepared. I suppose uh, we don't to get told it. this, Tom, but do we know what stadiums got in in place um, of Old Trafford if that was to be successful? Do you know we've what's got, the one that we have, have on to the mention cut? that? The Premier League have announced, well, this was October, well, so yesterday, five Premier League venues will host Euro 2028 matches. Uh, it's the Etihad, um, or the Empty Had, I should say. Uh, Everton's new stadium, if they're in the Premier League still. Um, St. James's Park, the home of Saudi Arabia, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, unfortunately the greatest stadium in the world. The home of uh, NFL. <laughs> the home of NFL. And uh, Villa Park, the only one that could truly be considered a football stadium. The um, former home of FA Cup semi-finals. <laughs> <laughs> the home of Yeovil's major trophy victory in the FA Trophy. There you go, exactly. we can say that. But um, yeah, they're the five Premier League ones. And then they've got that silly little casement place in uh, Northern Ireland which um, will have to essentially be built from the ground up, uh, which I can't imagine will be done in time and cause no issues at all. Um, Cardiff Stadium, which oh, it's Cardiff. 
oh no, so it's a Principality Stadium, which is big enough. They've done that before. That's fine. Dublin, Glasgow. I suppose it depends which side of Glasgow, or maybe they go Hampton Park. But yeah, um, I should be looking forward to it, but it just feels very. The decisions, even things like the Emirates, like the Emirates is a great stadium. Why is that not in there? It's a big stadium. Stanford Bridge, great stadium. Why is that not in there? Maybe it's because it's a bit smaller, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit bitter. This is the thing that always makes me laugh with these things because it's a great roundup, Tom, and that will whet the appetite for people to enjoy that in five years' time. Can't wait. If you're listening to this in five years' time, I'm sorry. Look forward to it. England is coming home. <laughs> well, look, Tom, something that is a bit closer to home, um, because we have got you on, it's um, a day after your solo run out for Three Valleys Radio. And fair play to you, mate, because it was the under-18s that then got pretty much the under-18s that got put out um, by Mark Cooper. But uh, what I would say, Tom, is your efforts were rewarded with what can only be described Dollar. as an absolute <laughs> cracking game um, between Yeovil and Keynesham. Do you just want to quickly touch on uh, your experience up there yesterday? Yeah, um, everyone was very friendly. If anyone is listening from Keynesham, uh, we actually had a couple of Keynesham fans that uh, asked me about it. And uh, it was the captain's family um his i think his dad was either in hospital or at home it was one of the two he wasn't there um and he was asking if there was any way he could listen in so we did have some Keynesian fans listening in as well at least one um yeah everyone was very friendly very welcoming you were even plugging um, us while you were commentating that's some effort tom bailey just, just just a bit good aren't i um yeah everyone was very friendly everyone very helpful um sort of originally we were I might have had to stand outside the um, the food bar, um, but we managed to move me towards the actual bar on the halfway line. Uh, they stuck a cable through the window for me. So, um, again, brilliant work from them. Um, game was very good as well. Kingston got some very good players. Um, that Jaheim Allen on the left-hand side was absolutely lethal. Um, and from what I spoke to one of the fans afterwards as well, he said that they've, they've got a great system in where they're bringing you through, but they're also... Um, picking up players from academies that have been released sort of around the area so like your bristols and and that sort of thing in your baths even maybe even us if they wanted to travel um so they're essentially a, a team of academy rejects and and youth players being brought through um hence sort of the talent because their two wingers were brilliant caused us all sorts of issues their strike was very good as well um to be honest there wasn't really a weak none of their players had a bad game except perhaps the keeper maybe could have made a couple of better chances but he's playing against someone who's played in the national league in benjani and um charlie bateson who's on fire at the moment so it's not like he had um weak opposition but um yeah great game for the neutral great game for me to have something to talk about thank god um and i have just seen as well we've actually had the draw for the second round where um we'll be away to clevedon town so if any of us fancy that trip then um go for it because uh, i don't date? available uh I believe it's Glover's Castle said it's for November 6th, a week commencing November 6th. So it should be like the 7th, perhaps. So around about a month's time. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, second round. Well, after all that, your efforts were much appreciated. And it was, um, we had more than um, well, our fair share of really positive comments about what you managed to do for us. So uh, well done, Tom Bailey. Smashing efforts, son. And uh, like you say, the pressure's on the rest of us now to try and follow that up to make sure that we've got a commentary team 
or person yeah, on, on, for the on away Saturday, game. Saturday, Tom, I'll, I'll be there to drag standard down. Are you? I <laughs> thought it was Sai. It's, it's a team. Us, yeah. Oh, God. So, what? So, there's all three of us. Don't say, oh, God, you're supposed to be selling this. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. listen in to Three Valleys Radio on Saturday. But you can listen to myself and uh, one of Rick or Scythire. Because the budget on, doesn't stretch to three microphones, so it will be either one of us. Whoever <laughs> yeah. gets there first. We'll yeah. go through the format with you um, off air so the listeners don't have to go through how the Three Valleys Radio admin works. So I'm sure that they've got a good idea of how it does work. <laughs> Plug in and pray. So um, what I will do then is um, we will start to talk about the games that happened over the weekend because I need to start rattling through them because I'm obviously conscious of time. Um, Tom, I'm going to stick with you because we were just saying whilst you weren't here that Obviously, with the Martin Hellier podcast on Monday, we haven't had a chance to really review the Premier League weekend, and there's nothing to preview um, unless you want to quickly give me your thoughts on how Latvia are going to get on in Turkey. Oh, well, I mean, Latvia have started well. I don't the... think they're even playing each other, Tom, to be honest, before you correct me. <laughs> it's a lovely country, nope. Latvia, mate, I tell you. Having Latvia been there... Media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Don't tell your Riga story, Ad. We've uh, everyone's heard it on Three Valleys Radio. Yeah, before. probably have. But no, it's a, <laughs> it, it, joking aside, it is a very, a very nice country. I can also say Latvia are playing Turkey, just not tomorrow. It's the Sunday. Oh, is it actually? That was a stab yeah. They, in the they do play in this. They do play in this international break. There you go. Then see, done this. This ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> Dave Fry, finger rodeo. on the pulse. <laughs> So then, Tom Bailey, as I say, Luton Tottenham was the first game of the weekend. It was quite a, a bizarre game, um, by all accounts, because Luton did have chances and they really should have taken something with that miss at the at the far post. However, by the same token, even though Spurs were down to ten men, they probably could have won it a mo- lot more comfortably. How did you see it? Uh, I didn't see it. <laughs> I was getting myself ready for <laughs> getting myself ready for the uh, the Saturday game with Mr. Thorpe, um, but it seems a, pr- a pretty sort of comfortable Spurs win. Luton tried, but never really Have you even seen the goal, going. Tom Bailey? No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, um, You've gone yeah. from up here <laughs> to, uh, to away. Slipping. I, I was, I was uh, busy. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, for Spurs to kind of comfortably do it for a full half with 10 men it doesn't really look that good on on Luton I know they again they tried had a couple of chances but Spurs seemed to have the better of them I mean they had the comfort of bringing on even the likes of I mean Ben Davis isn't bad but you can bring him on Alejo Vélez you can bring him on game's done it's not really um, a, a big challenge for them Luton obviously would hoping to get something but, um, yeah, they couldn't really do much against Spurs, who've been in great form. Yeah, much much to add to that, Rick. I mean, you've been saying that um, you're, well, more hoping that Spurs will be Spurs as we know them, but um, not at the moment. No, they are indeed, as as Tom pointed out on, on the preview. They are Hotman Totspur, and they've got a complete new identity. And yeah, they did. They did. They did their job, didn't they? They did what they had to do. But the sending off uh, probably meant that the scoreline was 
less damning than it might have been. No complaints from Basuma either, was there? No. And the, uh, but no, apparently afterwards he he wanted the game replayed because he felt that an injustice. How had, did you get that from that? Wow. <laughs> Go on. Oh, there's more to come. <laughs> there's far more to come. No, Hotman Totspur deserved to win, and they did. And the great collapse will have to wait for another week. Yeah, Ada, you were you were saying that you would expect this to you were expecting this to be a pretty routine win and despite the scoreline I think it probably was that in fairness Well I thought Mr Postacoglu did very well and uh, I think he's doing very well (laughs) What I will say Aid, is I think you I think you said it perfectly but your internet connection glitched at the (laughs) wrong time Well that's typical isn't it That is typical um, I'll be interested to hear how that sounded, but no, go on, make your point. No, I, I, I think he's a, he's a good guy, good manager, and he's certainly got Tottenham playing some attractive football at the moment. Although I would have thought they would have done a little bit more than just the one nil, um, because they had a good proportion of the game, which, which I didn't see all of it, but I saw, you know, bits on match of the day and what have you. So I was a bit surprised that they didn't do more really, but maybe late Lutner. You know, battening down the hatches a little bit and they're beginning to get the hang of the Premier League. Yeah, just lastly on Luton, before we rattle on with the rest of the game, Tom, I don't know if you've seen, but Andros Townsend has signed for them on a free transfer um, today. Do you see that being um, a useful bit of business for them? I think it'll be useful. I think it's um, in vain. <laughs> but um, I do think a bit of experience for them. Uh, likes of Ross, Bar- uh, Ross Barkley as well, just sort of the same sort of vein as that. Um, I don't think it'll save them, but hey, nice to see Andros Townsend back in a back in a football shirt on the pitch, being ex over of course. See, there's always a connection. Always oh, a connection. Ah, he's on loan, but he's a glover at heart. He loved it, really. We know he did. He gloved it. He gloved it. <laughs> <laughs> Going all Tom Bailey there. Aid, <laughs> uh, hey, I'll come back to you because um, next on the billing was Burnley Chelsea. Um, it was a it was a game really between two teams that have flattered to deceive so far this season, and I think Burnley will be really concerned with just how easy Chelsea found this game. Well, I think I mentioned before my my theories on this law of averages and. Yeah, surely having spent the money that they have on the, the so-called quality of player that they have, it had to turn sooner or later, surely, didn't it? And quite clearly it did against Burnley. And um, Yeah, I mean, Burnley aren't a bad side and certainly when United played them in the first half, they created quite a few chances. So uh, I didn't actually see the game against Chelsea, but, um, you know, I, I think they uh, they played quite well. Uh, but Chelsea were just that bit better. Yeah, Rick, I'll throw it to you because I was thinking about this earlier that I just wonder if Chelsea might be one of those teams where the second half of the season, they might just start to motor on and finally click. Like they've got a really good manager. I think it probably all depends. And if they don't go stupid again in January just to kind of hold the momentum even more but it's kind of got oh, that feeling that they are sensible if they could be a team that gets better as the season goes on I do hope not 
I've never enjoyed watching Chelsea before. Didn't enjoy watching them on Saturday. But some of their games this season have been quite quite enjoyable. And uh, just it, the highlight of the game, from my point of view, was the fact that uh, Nicholas Jackson scored, got six points, and was sat on the bench of Adrian's fantasy team. Mm, so that's always uh, always a nice thing. <laughs> always a nice thing. But uh, no, Spurs, I suppose Chelsea have got so many good players, but something's going wrong with their uh, at the ground because they they can't get any of them on the pitch. So they're they're playing unheard of players and and what have you to to fill up the bench and what have you. When when you think of them, how can you have spent that much money? Astonishing, isn't it? And not have players fit and available. It's it's madness. But um, yeah, Burnley continuing their fight for the uh, the quickest relegation on record and yeah there's not much more you can say about that Chelsea did what they should have done but it managed to be an unexpected result Tom I want to speak to you about Everton Bournemouth because I spoke to you last time around that we, we got were that doing right, the, we? that we did the previews I think it was that um uh, I asked you about your thoughts on Bournemouth and Iriola, etc. And I don't think I or anyone was expecting Everton to win this game with such ease. They've had such struggles and they've lost all their home games so far this season. Though they've had a bit of a weird season, really, because they then went to Villa Park and won in the League Cup. And then they've gone and smashed Bournemouth at home. It may just start to be ticking for Daesh, which I don't like to say because you know Everton they're just pointless um, Bournemouth look in serious trouble we can definitely say that it, it may well be that Everton are playing well obviously we'll find out at the end of the season if they finish would you be or... asking for patience when it comes to because Iriola came with such a reputation they um, need to what, at least give it till Christmas but it's probably just not going to get that time realistically I would have said he gets until November, but I mean, that's about two games, so it's not really a, a fair shout. I mean, let's see their next five. Wolves, Burnley, Liverpool, City, Newcastle. So he's got the next two games. If he gets nothing out of the next two games, he's gone. So he has got until November, because Liverpool in the Cup, uh, and then, well, EFL Cup, uh, then City away, Newcastle at home, you're not getting anything out of that. Maybe they're kind of experimental Sheffield United, but if he gets nothing out of... I'd say, honestly, if he doesn't even get a point out of either Wolves or Burnley, both at home, then he's gone. He has to go because he's only he's not won yet. He's not won. Well, he's won in the cup and that's it. He's not got a single Premier League point in his eight games in. You can't have that in the Premier League at, um, at this sort of stage with the amount of competition they've got. So Bournemouth are going to have to think about doing something soon if things don't turn around quickly. But um, a nice goal from Harrison. Admittedly, the keeper didn't really seemed to know what he was doing. I don't think any of them did. But, um, yeah, um, Everton pretty handily dealt with them. Couldn't really... Um, that wasn't really they were handed the goals, before. like you say, as well, weren't they? They were. Yeah, they, they put them under into situations where it was kind of a lose-lose and Bournemouth really didn't cope well. They didn't get themselves into it. Maybe they had one or two chances near the end. But, yeah, Everton sort of quite handily dealt with that or did their thing and it's a vital three points for them as well because you can say that's going to be a relegation issue towards the end of the season for the pair of them Rick do you agree with Tom's assessment on Iriola do you think the fact that 
when you look at who's in the Premier League so far, they find themselves in and amongst it around the likes of Luton, Sheffield United, just to name two. He's bound to be under pressure. He's, he's got to be because you think about it, the one, one bloke that's coming out of this smelling the roses is Gary O'Neill because he gets Bournemouth into a mid comfortable mid-table position and unexpectedly gets moved aside for the new man and um, because he's going to progress things. And then Bournemouth have, have been and gone and snuck into a relegation battle that they never thought that they were going to be anywhere near. So he's he's looking at all on looking at it I would imagine with uh, with a bit of a smile on his a smile on his face it really has that decision is not looking the best it's, it might end up biting Bournemouth on the on the bum because no one expected them to be involved in this relegation battle but they they haven't won a game in the Premier League yet this season and, and like Tom says they got if they win one of the next two there's going to be a long wait into December before they get a game that they might be able to get some reasonable points from. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're in a bit of a bit of a spot at the moment, the Bournemouth, because we all thought on the last preview that they were going to do a lot better against Everton than they actually did. I think most of us, I certainly thought that they would they'd win that one. But uh, no, they've got themselves into a bit of a situation, and it seems to be all of their own making. Yeah, Amy, from a from an Everton perspective, you've been saying on the pod before that you're expecting um, Dyche to, to finally come good and it seems to have taken a little bit of time. Do you see a potential corner being turned here? It was a big win for them on Saturday. Yeah, it was. And uh, Calvin Lewin seems to be holding up and not suddenly collapsing, um, injured again, which has got to be a good uh, a good thing for them. Um you know, confidence is a huge thing in football, as we all know. And clearly some of the Everton players are beginning to feel a little bit more confident about their future. So I think it's, I think the jury's out for a bit, but uh, it's certainly showing the right signs, if nothing else. Tom Bailey, Fulham, Sheffield United. Um, it took two great <coughs> goals from Fulham to put uh, Sheffield United away and it probably summed up Sheffield United's season so far that as soon as they get back into the game, Kearney slips and then from distance manages to loop it up, hits the crossbar, hits the goalkeeper on the back of the head, goes into the net and um, that probably epitomises what Sheffield United have been able to achieve so far this season. It's very much Premier League versus Championship there. Um, I... It sounds very harsh, Wes Fodderingham is absolutely not, should be nowhere near a, a Premier League team in any capacity, be it third choice keeper. Don't, no, no, stop it. Um, the, the team is just too weak. They just don't have quality. When Ollie McBurney is still your striker, you're not going to score goals because he's Useless. Adam Davis was saying the same not too long ago. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how he's still got a job there, to be honest, because he's useless. I, he had one season, but Bernie, you mean not Adam Davis? Yeah, just sorry, yes, McBurney. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had one sorry half decent season where he was young with uh, Swansea, and he's kind of just lived off that forever. You've got two midfielders that don't have a chemistry built up yet because they sold both of their decent ones in in the summer or they only saw oh, sorry no they sold one and then benched the other one because they've decided that james norwood 
should only play twice a season in the Premier League and then play the rest of the season in the Championship. Um, it's just a mess. They, I don't see anyone else finishing bottom unless something seriously big happens to them or to someone else that causes them to not be bottom because they look rubbish. Fulham look okay, but they'll be 13th, 14th. They got a fortunate goal. Um, they did their best. Didn't really have much to play against though, so not it's not it's not really helped either team. Fulham didn't look any better than they should, and Sheffield United looked equally as bad as you would expect. Yeah, we spoke about um, Ariola. Yeah, Ariola. <laughs> Ariola. Yeah, this team Yeah. Um, being under pressure, aid, I guess, by the same token that Heckingbottom will find himself um, under pressure, particularly after, obviously, the shipping eight against Newcastle. But I guess the only caveat to that is that he's done a hell of a job in getting him here in the first place. Well, yeah, I suppose it is, really. But, I mean, he's obviously struggling like hell. And, and um, this, um, they've got an Arab guy or something that owns the club, hasn't he? And he's trying to get rid of it. He's been trying to get rid of it for, for months, hasn't he? And he can't seem to find anyone to buy it. So <laughs> it must be a thankless task to be manager of Sheffield United when you've got... It's no good going to see the chairman and say, can we buy some more players? Because the answer is no, we haven't got any money. And I'm not spending mine, so you've had it. So, I mean, no, it's, it must be a thankless task. But I'm, I'm surprised he's still there, to be honest. On the flip side, Rick, are Fulham slowly becoming an established Premier League football team under Marco Silva? Yeah, mid-table, they'll be in that middle section. Most seasons, I would have thought, they will always seem like there will be at least three, maybe four teams that are worse than them in the division, so they'll sit comfortably in that Crystal Palace sort of uh, area and uh, keep keep sustaining their uh, their premiership, uh, premiership. Good Lord, has been the Premiership for God knows how long. I sound like Thorpe. People still do that all the time, I mean, though. <laughs> and, uh, it's the Premier League. It hasn't been the Premiership for Yonks. But, uh, Thorpe's a big called, Premiership fan. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it's called, Fulham will be there next season. Well, I'm going to stick with you, Rick, because next up was um, Manchester United 2, Brentford 1, McTominay at the double. Um, but my first question to you, is a man who doesn't like teams celebrating like they've won the World Cup. Talk me through the scenes at Old Trafford, Rick Hyatt. There are exceptions. Are there? Are there? there. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting to ask you that question all bloody weekend. (laughs) I'm nothing if not a massive hypocrite. Uh, Clip that up. (laughs) There you go. No, it's it's, it's true. Was it um, Gav from this parish? pointed out that, you know, last week's pod went through the usual things. I don't like Arsenal. Uh, Man City have got 115 things against them. Uh, Newcastle are owned by the Saudis. Uh, these And uh, Spurs are very Spurs. Are out. Same things, <laughs> you know, same things that I say every week, but Brentford aren't the team that they were, but they still managed to go one up with their only attack of the match, which was... Uh, which, actually, oh, the thing the that these... Pardon? Thoughts on the goal, just quickly. Bad goalkeeping. There was a, it was a catalogue of errors. It was a bad clearance. It was, it was bad from Casemiro to give the ball away in the first place. It was a bad clearance from Lindelof. I think it was Bruno who hit him on the shin and then just bounces in and pop it on wrist and let it go under his hand. So 
No, not a great... Tom Bailey, stop enjoying this so much. You're a horrid man. But, yeah, it was just a terrible goal to concede. But the, the, the reason for my joy at the end wasn't because the mighty Manchester Reds have got three points against the might of Brentford. It was... Uh, did you... I don't know if you saw... I don't know if Matt of the Day showed it, but when uh, United were, were, were losing, in something like the 90th minute, one of the Brentford defenders put the ball out and celebrated like he had won the World Cup because they were going to hang on to it. And then seven minutes later, he was crying, which I thought was very, very enjoyable and nice for Scott McTominay, who hasn't has yet to really find a position at United. He, he comes. I haven't celebrated this much since Scott McTominay last scored two goals against City in the derby. So he, uh, he brings a little ray of sunshine into my life every now and then. There's, uh, there's McTominay, but that is... And, you know, United have got Sheffield United after the international break, so it's all going to go tits up then. <laughs> and um, Before I bring Aidy in, Tom, I just want to ask you, as Rick just said there about um, poppadom wrists, maybe he would have been better if he had O-Nan-Nan bread hands? <laughs> what? I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> I wish you hadn't said that as well. That's... Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> that's that's a real stretch i've just i've just marked it on the uh recording so as i know where to cut it out <laughs> it's very rare i will say this and i will probably never say this again in my entire life but i would rather have heard what adrian thought of the match <laughs> send him back to athens yeah um it's a really bad bit of goalkeeping in it it's pretty bad it's just, it's just a bit weak isn't it that's not i know he i know it took a deflection but honestly i could have saved that and i have pop dom wrists um <laughs> it's uh, the excuses are running out already uh for for onana um and i mean the fact that it took fergie time problem is though it's problem is though tom um I know Aidy mentioned about it on, I think it's last week's pod when Thorpey was asking about it, that Tom Heaton, in his own right, is a really good goalkeeper. But for whatever reason, he's just not played first-team football for such a while now that it would be a hell of a gamble to just throw him in on the back of a big-money signing like Anana. And maybe you just kind of have to keep going with it until you get to a point where you think, no, we need to get him out of the firing line. If Onana is dropped, his career at United is over because there's no way you spend that money on him and drop him and it be okay for it for it for him to come back if he's dropped for tom he if he's dropped for another 60 million pound goalkeeper sure fair enough because it just means well they don't really have a second goalkeeper do they you know they've got a third level goal no but they have third level goalkeepers if you mean what i mean aid like not a established one well, I don't know. He's not. He's supposedly. I, I can't comment on how he plays. I haven't seen him play, but that he was. He was bought on the basis of being an understudy. I didn't quite see how they're going to work this understudy out with Tom Heaton there as well. But nonetheless, they have got this guy, uh, and he hasn't had a chance to play. Who's yet. that? Sorry, Bayenda. He's a Turkish international goalkeeper. Yeah. Oh, um, that one completely passed me by. Well, yeah. there you go. You see, but of course, the question is: Do we buy David de Gea back? Because he's a free agent, we could ship him straight in. 
I mean, Aid, I'd only direct you to your previous podcast when AD, when um, David De Gea has been in your team. I didn't uh, recommend it. I was just saying, should we do it? You know, I don't, I, I don't know. But could, uh, I, could I change my mind about wanting to hear what Adrian said? I think I'd rather hear Dave's jokes than hear that. Goodness me. Well, let's just see what Roy Keane says about it a minute, because there's a story Well, just on parking, my... parking the goalkeeper situation aside, Aid, what did you make of the, the game? Was it just more relief getting it? Um, over the line at the end well uh, yeah it was huge relief definitely getting getting the the whole shut up thing Um, so my phone was making stupid noises Um, yeah I'm only asking (laughs) it's probably better than what I've got to say but uh, no I mean it was a huge relief to to, to see it happen I didn't think it was going to happen I thought it was going to be another and you know when we're getting ready for the the barrage of negative press that was going to go with it but thankfully, Scott McTominay came to the rescue. The question is now, uh, is, is, is Casemiro finished? Um, which I think, I personally think he's still playing quite well. He made a right, um, you know, clangor with that one that set up the goal. Uh, and yes, his legs obviously are going a bit, but I still think he's worth it. He's top scorer, I think. Isn't he, Rick? Isn't he top scorer? Yeah. Yeah. Currently. So I'm not sure that we should discard him that quickly, but you get the impression by the, the general press and Ten Hag's comments that uh, his days are looking numbered a little bit, I think. So um, uh, equally so, um, um, Varane. He, he certainly doesn't seem to be turning, uh, turning many heads, does he? So I don't know, really. I mean... Uh, They've got two weeks off, but I mean, half the players are going to be away on international duty, so that's not necessarily going to prove that beneficial. Uh, so I don't know, really. I, I You know, I, I suppose we, as you say, we've got Sheffield United, and that's a, a typical banana skin waiting for it to happen, really, there. We ought to beat them, but, but you know, like I say, it's a typical banana skin, isn't it? Well, I'm going to move it on because we need to try and get in Sunday's games before... Um, we finish for this evening. So I'm very, very quickly going to wash over Crystal Palace, Neil Nottingham Forest, Neil Tom Bailey. Can you sum that up in five seconds? Um, Mateta is a Tesco, a Tesco value Lukaku. I think that's fair enough. Um, Rick, I don't know if you saw that they did a... They, they pretty much royally took the mick out of um, the game where they did a nearly goal of the, <laughs> goal of the game yeah. competition. Did you see this? I didn't see that, but it doesn't surprise me. I think it's one of those ones, those fixtures that are best enjoyed via text. It's one of the fixtures ever. <laughs> well, first up on the Sunday, then Tom, I'll stick with you because it's a uh, as a two all draw. Between... As a two all yeah. draw, does that fixture mean they have to play it again? Sorry. How many? How many of those are you going to get in today? Thousands. <laughs> Thousand. It's on replay. And thank you for listening to Football Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tom, you first. Brighton two, Liverpool two. What did you What did you make of it? Did you see it? Have you seen the highlights, the goals, the write ups? What have you seen? The only thing I've not seen is the second goal. And to be honest, I think it will hurt me if I do. I think I'm just going to pretend in my head it's a two-one win for Liverpool and just go on from there. That's how it works. See, if you don't see the goal, it didn't happen. Exactly. Um, <laughs> An uncharacteristic error from Allison, which helped them take the lead. But was Brighton it? were on top. It, yeah, well, it was kind of both. Allison was in Onala land, as I now call it, 
um, <laughs> and it was a really bad decision from Van Dyke to um, to play it there. Yeah, McAllister was getting a lot of crap for this, but I thought he wasn't really given much of a choice to uh, yeah in the ball he was given. I, whether it's people still don't want to say anything about Van Dyke, I'm not sure, but it's it was um, yeah an interesting decision we shall say. Um, but yeah, I mean, penalty was deserved because there was literally nothing related to the ball. The second, the, sorry, the first goal was well worked, nicely left by uh, Elliot. Um, and I can't say much about the uh, the second goal because it never happened. So great win for Liverpool, two one. Go on, Emrick. Put your put your thoughts in. Here we go. Well, I was, I was just waiting for uh, what does it. Tom said an uncharacteristic mistake from Van Dyke was were you referring to the occasion where he attempted to play basketball in his own penalty area? Was was that the mistake he made that you weren't happy with? Well, you mean that one that was launched a... at him, that one. Oh. <laughs> Has Andre Onana had a game yet where he's not had an well it's now Hang a on a minute, we're not talking about him. Andre Onana now, we're talking about <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> I saw the um, going off topic again a little bit, but I saw that Anderson's goal made the goal of the season compilation um, goal of the month compilation. Mm. At no point did I think, oh, there's two go- who two players who are standing offside and are obscuring the view of Onana. What a load of old crap. <laughs> that, it, it's funny how um, <laughs> perceptions change, but the Liverpool penalty that they did get which is unusual because it was away from Anfield. So it's, it's not compulsory. You, you said it would be a Salah penalty as well. Pardon? You said it would be a Salah penalty as well. I did. But like I say, it's not compulsory because it wasn't at Anfield. It's normally compulsory up there. But I've seen different points of view from that. Some people saying that that should have been a red card for stopping a clear goal scoring opportunity. And yet if you go back again, you know, you go back to United against Arsenal and Gabriel does exactly the same thing to Hoyland and it's not deemed to be a penalty at all so I don't know it's a, you, you pay your money you take your choice I guess so it, I was just glad when Lewis Dunk got the equaliser because it seemed to be one of those games where who made the least mistakes won and they, yeah. neither team seemed to want to win it they were both determined to chuck it away and I, th- I think you know for you know two all replay do it all again yeah, it seemed to so say from the from the write ups aid and on match of the day that they're pretty much saying that I think both teams will be pretty happy with this based on how both teams played. So maybe just a case of take the point so, and move on. Probably, yeah. I think Brighton sort of went to sleep a little bit and suddenly found themselves two one down, having been one up. So uh yeah, I think they uh they battled back enough to at least get a draw out of it, which I thought they deserved to be honest. Um, I'll stick with you, Aid, because I'm going to come to the 4.30 game next, just because I'm conscious of time and want to make sure we talk about this one, because it could be a pivotal game come the end of the season. I mean, you speak a lot about the law of averages, and is this now starting to be the quote-unquote decline of Manchester City? What do you make of the game against Arsenal? Well, and City start line-up, Adrian. I'm sure you've got an opinion on that. On what? Sorry? City starting lineup with no Rodri. No, exactly. So who 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 do you think was going to step in and play? Well, I thought Kevin Phillips would have stepped in. 
<laughs> but there you go. You never know with this team, do you? Um, Football I mean, bloody hell. <laughs> Rest and repeat. <laughs> shut up and listen. Certainly City are uh, going through a little bit of a wobble. Now, how long that's going to last, whether it's going to suddenly all clip back together again when Rodri reappears, I don't know. But uh, they're certainly not playing as well. And Haaland seems to have suddenly lost his glitter, hasn't he? He's given it. I think it was uh, maybe he was up at uh, uh, Liverpool putting all the glitter on Keir Starmer afterwards. I don't know because he couldn't have used it himself. Uh, political joke. Um, but no, Satire. I mean, I think I, I think City. Who do they play next? Anybody know? Uh, no, because we have to be international break, won't it? So I'll have a quick look while she's just skipping ahead to pods, point. Adrian. We don't do that Brighton. for another week. Brighton at home. Brighton. Oh, is it right? Okay. Um, well, they'll they'll beat them, I think. So I presume they will clip back into into form and you know keep going. I still think they'll win the league, unfortunately. But you never know. Well, that's going to be my next question. Rick, do you see enough in the other teams to be able to mount a challenge even if City aren't as dominant this year? Um, that's the question, isn't it? That is the question. Whether or not it, there are, what, seven, eight teams in contention for Champions League places this year. I'm not counting United and I'm not counting Chelsea in that at the moment because they don't deserve to be in, a, in the mix. But it's whether or not those teams see the City game as a game where they can gain points or they just try and nick them off each other all the way through. So it would be very funny if Rodri comes back in the team and they lose again. And that, that, would, be, that would be quite funny, because everyone's put it down to his absence, this lack of form. Haaland with zero shots during the match, which uh, is unusual. And it was just the most tedious bore fest of tippy-tappy nonsense um, that I've seen in a long time. And and Arsenal, the way Arsenal celebrated after scoring the winner, it's not like they'd scored two goals after 90 minutes to win a game. That's when you celebrate. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> not, not just because you've beaten the team that have won the league for the last three years. That's nothing. If you score two goals in the last five minutes of a game, that's when you're allowed to celebrate. <laughs> You say that about a man like Thomas Frank. <laughs> yeah, and what he's got to go there and he's got to get a result. <laughs> um, Tom Bailey, from an Arsenal perspective, you can see or feel the momentum that, that's growing there. Is it going to be enough to see them through this time? Because it's still obviously early days, but it's a huge um, psychological blow, you could say, possibly from their point of view. Uh, no, because Man City will win the league with two games to spare. It's just written in the stars. Arsenal are going to play really well all season. They'll second, third, sort of there or thereabouts, play very well. Momentum will keep building and then look to do something next season. But it's Manchester City. They're going to win the league by with two games to spare, about 88, 89 points, because it's just written. It's boring. We know it's going to happen. Financial irregularity FC strikes again. Is all we can say. There's, all right, Rick. It's, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's annoying. They get under my skin when they shouldn't. I shouldn't let it get to me, but we've been talking about this. Welcome at work. to the podcast, my friend. <laughs> we should we should be like we were speaking about this at work. We've got a couple of Liverpool fans there, and we were. That must be a fun place to earn a living. <laughs> we were two or three goals away, two or three games away from being quadruple winners. 100 point trip. You're uh, eating champions. into his hands, Tom. 
think 100, about what you're saying. 100 point treble champions and invincibles. We could have had all of this and financial irregularity FC struck again and again and again. They ruined it. They ruined my childhood. I hate them nearly as much as United. But yeah, City will win the league. Um, Arsenal played better than City, which obviously is is enough to say by the scoreline. Uh, they won't win the league, but they'll do very well to get close. They sent everybody to sleep. I've never seen such a dreadful game. I, I was just going to say, so that's Tom Bailey's thoughts on Arsenal <laughs> versus Manchester City. <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> it was a terrible game. It was just no action. It was awful. And just one goal. Oh, dear. And yet they still put it first on match of the day. Yeah. Kovacic did his best to try and make it interesting by leaving early. What's he, what oh, yeah, does he have to do to get sent off? Kill a man. Do you know what it feels like, Rick? Now that they do this um, mic'd up with Howard Webb or whatever it is, it seems mm. like you have to make so many wrong decisions so that they can actually fill that programme. Yeah, they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we have... We have run over which i'm sure that the uh, our producer is not too happy about so very very lastly we've got west ham two newcastle two and wolves one villa one so uh, a little double draw to just talk about tom i'll stick with you much to say on those two before we wrap up um a good draw for west ham to be honest i mean newcastle obviously in the champ well hoping for champions league um so i think a good draw west ham are way better than people expected including myself um, and I'm glad they proved me wrong. We'll wait and see how they go at the end of the season. Rick? Just nice to see uh, David Moyer, his side, uh, fighting back and getting a, getting a draw at, at the end there because it looked for a, for a little while like the Saudis were going to gonna nick that one. So, no, just glad to see West Ham coming back and getting getting a point out of it. Yeah, any any more thoughts to add, Aid, on those couple of draws there? West Ham, Newcastle and Wolves Villa? Well, Wolves Villa, I mean, yeah, you know. Wolves, I suppose it's fair to say, have, have perhaps surprised a few people because, uh, you know, I didn't think they were very good. But, I mean, they're, they're still in there, hanging in at the moment. And getting a draw against Villa, who are playing really well at the moment, was not a bad result for them. As for Newcastle, um, I think the... Champions League is going to be their downfall because I think they're going to struggle in the league when they've got uh, Champions League game to play. I mean, the amount of passion and 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 you know tension that must have been out at St James's Park when they beat PSG. It's, I think it's any wonder that they uh, they slightly down on their performance against. Does West anyone End. does anyone think Newcastle might actually do quite well in the Champions League? It re, they, it reminds me sort of shades of when Leeds United got to the semis, like that their home form will just take them all the way to a certain point, and then maybe they'll just miss out because it seems to me that the teams on the continent are still nowhere near as strong as the Premier League team. So I wouldn't rule it out completely as outrageous as that might suggest. I think if they don't reach the quarterfinals, it's an absolute shambles. And Eddie Howe has to go because for the home oh, form... that's a bit harsh. And... Eddie Howe I, has to I, go? It, Come on, that's it, a bit it harsh. Would, it would be harsh, but considering the home form and the way they've played, they've looked at 4-1 against PSG and gone, well, if we can do that against PSG and we've still got to play, who is it, Dortmund and AC Milan oh, at home... I mean, they'll hammer Milan at home because they play at walking pace anyway, but they're at home, so it's different. They played at walking pace in Milan, so that's another win. If they get first in their group or second in their group, 
it'll be the oh it's the big last 16 tie it's like the leicester sort of thing where leicester got to the quarterfinals even though they had a squad that should have finished bottom with six defeats it's just it's pure passion and momentum that's got them through it and the home form so if they don't reach the quarterfinals it's a failure absolute failure and he would probably be sacked i wouldn't be surprised Newcastle have to make make the later stages of the competition so that Jason Tindall can get to the beaches, European beaches <laughs> in springs, so that he can top of his town. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, last point then, because I did forget to say it, um, at the start when we're going through the stories, but just very quickly, aid on uh, Wayne Rooney now being Birmingham City's new manager that's had now finally been confirmed after a couple of days of will he, won't he? Has it been confirmed? Has it not? Well, apparently it now has. Well, I'm, I'm sort of unmoved, to be honest. I don't think he's going to prove to be a great manager, personally, but we'll see. Um, you know, great player, great goal scorer for United, but I'm unmoved. Much to add, Rick, are you moved? <laughs> um, much, much like Adrian, I am very difficult to move. It was the worst a, in the well, world, wasn't come it? Come on, we're, we're nearly <laughs> 10 minutes over now, so... Uh... <laughs> well, well uh, final point from you then, Tom, as um, Rooney joins the Brady Brigade up at Birmingham. Oh, all the bees there. <laughs> um, shambolic decision from Birmingham, uh, not because Rooney is a bad manager, but because John Eustace got them to sixth. I think that's shocking. Um, we'll wait and see. We will wait and see indeed. So... That's all for this week's Football Bloody Hell. So, uh, Tom Bailey, thank you very much for joining us, albeit late. Our apologies for that. No problem. Thank you very much for having me again. I say our apologies. I mean Aidy's apologies, really. <laughs> thanks, very much, uh, <laughs> thanks very much, Rick Hyatt. Uh, always a pleasure. And just to, it's nice to see Tom grasping the metal and not only do he ever have a bit of a star turn with the commentary but he's actually talked a lot of sense about manchester city this week which i did enjoy very much save me a job <laughs> so that just leaves ad hopper to sign us out for this evening yeah well thanks for listening listeners and make sure you join us again next monday for the next football bloody hell